The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? Well, we're having a new cocktail. I've been wanting to try this for a while. It's called a Bourbon Black Forest Cocktail, and it sounds interesting. It was just really difficult. I was challenged by this one, but basically it's 60 milliliters of bourbon, and I use Forrester bourbon, which 100 proof, 20 mils of cherry brandy, okay, 15 mils of brown cream de cocoa, and then five mils of Kahlua. Mix it all together in a mixing tin with ice, stir it, and then you're going to strain it into a glass that you've already put a cherry in the bottom. Okay. And that was fine. And then you're supposed to put a cream float, double heavy cream. And I used heavy cream. And I used the spoon method and put it down, just like, you know, I've done floats before. And it just went to the bottom. Straight down straight to the bottom. Wow, isn't that interesting? So it's so heavy, it's it's just not sitting on the top. It can't get to that top surface. So yeah. anyway. And then um, you did something And else. then, yeah, and then you grate cocoa or put cocoa powder. I used dark chocolate and grated it over the top of the cocktail. And mm-hmm. because it had ruined the float, I just mixed it. So it kind of looks like a like those coffee chocolate martinis yeah. right now, but it should have a layer, but it just didn't work this time. Well, let's but see it, how it, tastes. it could beautiful. still taste really good. So we'll see. Smells good. Wow. Just a lot of flavors. It's a lot. I taste the Kahlua. I taste the brandy. I taste the bourbon. Yeah. What else is in it? Okay, we've got bourbon, cherry brandy, dark cream de cocoa, and Mm. Kahlua. Wow. Yeah, totally different. And it's super strong, so just be careful. It is super strong. Yeah, but I would have liked to see it float. It would have been neat to see it float. But I think you maybe need a not as as a heavy a cream. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Just like half and half might be better. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe the heavy cream was just too much for it. Interesting though. And when you do it like that, when it falls to the bottom, it explodes like a volcano. Right. And then you're like, oh, how much did I add? I'm only trying to add a float. Right. You know, so maybe it's too, too much cream, but. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still like, it's a, it's a hard milk. (laughs) (laughs) So my test for cocktails, first test is. Is it balanced? What do you think? Is it balanced? Well, because I think there's too much cream. You think there's too much cream? I think there's too much cream. I think it's too alcohol forward. Oh, maybe. So maybe the bourbon is too strong. We should have used a lighter bourbon. Maybe a lighter bourbon, yeah. Yeah. But fun to try something new. Definitely. We haven't done that for a while. 
The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. Well, today on our pod, we have Mistress Mia and her partner, John, and they're yeah, lifestyle kinksters, but also she's a pro-dom. And so we get to hear all sorts of interesting things. They also have a podcast, Mistress Mia's Dungeon. Ooh, I like So that. there's lots to learn from this couple. So, well, guys, welcome to the conversation. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Welcome. And just, just to start off, because we're not a couple, we're best friends, but we're not a couple. We do the podcast together and we have a great time. Yeah. But- he likes hot blondes, and I like young she boys. Likes, <laughs> she, she likes her husband. <laughs> it's all good. Well, we always begin our conversation by inviting you to share yourself as a sexual creature. So, Mr. Spear, why don't you go first? Tell us who you are as a sexual creature and how you evolved from, you know, where you discovered your sexuality to where you get to be a pro-dom. You know, uh, Saffer, I was raised Catholic, And we weren't a strict family of uh, Catholics, but, you know, it was, you were supposed to save yourself for marriage. You were supposed to be a good girl. And, you know, they never really talked to me about, you know, sex as, as a whole or, or anything really. And so, you know, I, I wanted to be a good girl. (laughs) And sadly I went to college and, all of that changed. <laughs> I had a rude awakening. Um, but I went from really just uh, having great friends who were total sluts to, um, you know, realizing I didn't want to be a submissive uh, little woman. And I went from uh, pimping my boyfriend in college because, you know, we needed college tuition money to, um, you know, doing phone sex. And, um, and then I was still working in the family business and I had three jobs and one of which was, um, working as a dom and, you know, I just like to dominate men. (laughs) That's, that's what I like. I dominate women sometimes too. That's really great. You know, I'm really, I think you're the first person we've talked to who's used this phrase I used to pimp out my boyfriend. So I want to, I want to learn more about that. So tell me what that's, what, just go into that a little bit. Oh, well, I, you know, I've done it a few times, actually. <laughs> you know, I started in college doing it because, like I said, um, you know, college tuition is not cheap. And, you know, he was struggling financially as well. And, you know, he's, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. And, um, you know, he was young and hot and 21 and, And I was like, you know, people would really pay for your services. And of course he was bisexual, very newly bisexual. And, um, you know, I would put him in panties and tell him he was going to be my good little bitch and he was going to make mama some money. (laughs) And that's what happened. You know, it's just easy peasy, you know, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? And you know, very awesome. Thank you. (laughs) 
years later, um, I went and, you know, I married for love when I was 21 or so I thought it was a young love and, uh, it was, it was just, eh, it wasn't the dynamic I wanted. And, um, you know, soon after our divorce, I'm like, you know, I got to get back to who I really was. And that's, you know, mistress Mia. And, um, I started dating this cute little guy and, you know, I was, you know, late twenties, he was, you know, 20 <laughs> and adorable. And, um, he was a little furry and again, bisexual. And he's like, Mia, I need money. You know, I'm an IT guy. I'm not making any money. And I'm like, honey, let's get on back page. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be my dirty little whore. <laughs> and that's what happened. Wow, right. that's awesome. She, okay, she tried to pit me out a few times. But <laughs> He's I'm, got a big dick. But unfortunately, I'm not bisexual and I'm not going to be her little bitch. No. So it didn't, it didn't work out. She kept like, just go in the dungeon and tell them they're, they're pathetic. And I've done that a few times. But yeah. He don't want to whip out the dick. John, you know? don't do that. <laughs> If we can find some women. Tell us your journey. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> she was raised Catholic. I was raised Mormon out West uh, in Idaho. So very sex was very demonized and vilified. And, you know, at a very young age, I knew just experience I had, I had, I had through some abuse and other things. It didn't really fit who I was to, to not be able to have sex and not to be able to express myself in that way. So I was always really kinky. I didn't realize that, that I was, I just, I, it took me several years to find out. I met Mia and uh, we did the podcast and did an episode with her and, and kind of had a lot of aha moments for myself, but didn't really put that into the context of BDSM until I was in my forties. But, but um, once I did, it just, it feels like it's been this just fast paced onslaught, but. I'm a roller coaster. Right? <laughs> but actually it's always been there. I just didn't have a name for it. I didn't have labels for it. But um, when I got with Mia, we, we, wow. It's, she, she introduced me to her slutty friends, <laughs> a bunch of them. <laughs> like we got to get you laid. And then, and they let me do all kinds of weird things to them. But um, I, I, I was able to explore. I was able to, to figure out who I was. And, and a lot of the things that I do, a lot of people don't do. So I'm not, I'm not the normal kinky guy. You know, people get tied up and they do, they do the flog. Yeah, I can do all that. But for me, it's, it's more than that. It's about... It's almost like a spiritual experience when when I go into the dungeon. I I bring out fire. I bring out electricity. I bring out crystals. I bring out a lot of sensual things. And it's just, it's not so much what normal BDSM would, when you say BDSM, people think of. It's more of, we're going to go on a journey together. I don't know what that looks like when we go in, but we're going to go in there together and we're going to come out together and we're going to be we're going to be, I don't know. One. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to be changed in some way for the experience that we had. And it's going to be, 
it's going to be a connection. We're going to have a connection. So for me, the sexual experience is a connection with someone. It's not just, I'm going to go in and I'm going to fuck the shit out of you and I'm going to come. That's not it at all. Like, you know, it's what can we do together that I've never done before with anybody else? It's interesting. We've recently made the choice to give up the terms dominant and submissive because they're too constraining. They don't actually allow full self-expression. And where we've landed is in the place of choosing to assign the word hedonist to our exploration, where it's really just about the pursuit of pleasure and the pursuit of, you know, you call it a spiritual journey, but for us, it's really about discovering what's available to us in the world of sexuality, in self-expression as a lifestyle couple, like what's available there. So we just gave up dominance and submission because in our life, she started as a submissive to me and now we're playing where she's dominating me, right? But we don't really think of it as dominance and submission. It's really more just exploration. And that sounds similar to like maybe where you've landed because it's not, it's not really classical BDSM, but it's definitely in the world of power exchange. Right. And the partner I have now, what we call it, we call it um, primal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's been raw. really a conversation we've been having. Yeah. It's just raw sexuality. It's whatever happens, happens. Nobody's really submissive to each other. We're just, we go in there and we, we're both aggressive. And she's seen me tackle her and throw her on the floor before. She's like, I'm out. I got to go. <laughs> One of the best nights of my life. <laughs> But it's great because you can explore that part of yourself and just that raw emotion. Well, and you can go after urges. Like we've noticed, like during the path of like trying to determine where our sexuality was landing, I had earlier said, well, I think I'm a switch because in my professional life, I'm very dominant and I just haven't really expressed that in my sexual life yet. And then we started playing with this and I said, yeah, I guess I'm dominant. You'd say I'm dominant by what I'm doing, but my desire, my craving is primal. And we talked about this last night because my, uh, I don't know what you're going to call it, spirit animal. My core animal is a snow leopard, which if you've known anything about snow leopards, there's a very aggressive mating ritual and they mate for life, but it's like super aggressive and it switches on a dime. And at some point, female allows herself to be impregnant. And that's kind of like what we do. We get like craven and we go after it and it starts in one context and it can end in a completely different context by the end. And it doesn't matter because we're both fully seduced, fully satisfied, fully filled. You know what I mean? So yeah, the labels I get when I came into the kink world, they help me find my vein, but I don't know. I think they're limiting now, you know? And that's what we found too in discussing on, on our podcast interviewing with people where labels are just kind of this... They get in the way. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast. So when did it start and you know, who's your audience and what are you trying to get across? Well, we started two years ago and we've reached 165 countries. And um, I think we just want to take the, the stigma of BDSM and, you know, normalize it for people. But people know, a lot of times we'll say, you know, people think that they're not normal because they like BDSM. But what I like to say is, we're the normal ones. We just admit that we like yeah. BDSM. <laughs> yeah, we've we we've said that. this. People always say, oh, I'm not kinky. And I and I always oh, say, yeah, do you yeah. give a blowjob? And they go, oh, yeah. well, yeah, of yeah. course. You know, you know, and okay, you're kinky. <laughs> Unless you're a missionary only having sex to procreate, uh, you're probably pretty kinky. <laughs> and people have 
they have fantasies that they don't share with their partners and they they have things that they want to do and they have needs and urges that they don't explore and you know it makes people it, it can ruin a relationship by not being able to communicate that with your partner right right, right. i agree and so on your podcast, are you interviewing guests or are you just having a conversation or are you, is it themed or how do you proceed? Well, we interview probably three to four people a month. Uh, it's not, it's not always um, really, we're, we have a lot of time constraints with, with our own life. Um, but we put out a pot, the podcast, we put out five days a week. Um, we try to stick to an overall topic for the week. Sometimes, you know, John and I kind of go off on, oh, did you see such and such? Let's, let's just do an episode about that. You know, so, so we'll read articles, we'll read, you know, stories, we'll, um, we'll collaborate with different thoughts, um, our own experiences uh, that we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. Um, you know, when we've gone to, you know, our local dungeon or we've gone to events and we host the events that we do, you know, we bring in you know, 200 people for our events. And we do that, you know, four to six times a year, you know? So we talk a lot about that. We talk about, you know, people in the community, just different things, you know, and we try to touch on topics that isn't always something you really hear about in a lot of, in a lot of other podcasts or. Yeah. yeah. Or we, within... we try to be educational. Yeah. So we try to talk about different subjects and what it means and how to do it. We try to be fun about when we do it. We try to make it light so that people feel like they can participate in whatever activity that is um, and just make it make it fun, not not be too serious. Because once you become too serious, then those labels come in and people just get a little overwhelmed. But if you make, you know, cross-dressing fun and make it okay, then they're like, oh, well, maybe I can put some panties on and maybe <laughs> I can talk to my girlfriend about it. So we try to make it accessible. One of the um, most popular things that we do is Mia on Fridays reads stories, Mia's bedtime stories. And that's one of our most popular ones. People like to listen to those. Yeah. And we do uh, Torture Thursdays. Torture Thursdays. We'll, we get a volunteer. We'll take them into the dungeon. We'll record it. And um, we're hoping that after the first of the year, we're going to actually be able to you know, broadcast a lot of that either live or, you know, see the actual recording of it. Um, because, you know, it gets kind of intense and people want to see, people want to see that. People are <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think the biggest thing we enjoy most is people writing in, we get these amazing emails and they're like, you and master John just make me feel like I'm okay. You know, that's so great. It's yeah. so great. It's so it great really to is. impact somebody like that and make a difference. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, as you look back over your experience, has there been an episode or a theme that has really like spoken to you that, that you remember as significant? You know, for me, I don't know about John. Um, for me, it's been about going back and talking about the craziness that literally happens <laughs> in a scene or in the dungeon. I've got this one episode and... Um, John and I, we kind of, you know, remastered it. We went back and, um, we, we talked about it all over again because it was such a crazy thing. It was talking about, uh, the title is like donuts, dead dog and something. Yeah. And it, it was crazy. 
It was crazy. I went to pick up my niece who works in the dungeon. She met up with me. We were waiting for this, for this client to show up who's a cross-dresser who wants to be kidnapped. We were doing all this, but in the process, I took my mother with me to pick her up. <laughs> She's dog sitting. I have two dogs in the back. One dog, you know, I pull up a Dunkin' Donuts. These people are just like, oh, come here, daddy. Look at this dog. Oh, these dogs are so cute. And my niece is like, uh, uh, I think they just, I, I think he's dead. And I was like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> and then my mother, who is just, she could give two fucks. She really, she just, she just doesn't even care. She's like, well, you know, it is what it is. And she's like, I want my donuts and my chocolate milk. Oh, I'm, wait I'm waiting. And I'm like, mom, I, I got to see if this dog is dead or not. You know, she's freaking out. I pull over and my niece is trying to pull this dog out of the car. I'm like, put him in the trunk. Let's do some CPR. I'm doing CPR on this dog. And she's like, oh my God, you know? And my mom's like, what are you going to do? What, what? He's dead. It's, it's, I'm like, oh, wow. So then we get back to the house and the cross-dresser comes out. My husband's cleaning the car and he's like, can I come up? Your son's cleaning the car. And I'm like, oh, my son now. So I'm an old crone. You little bit. Get back in the fucking truck until I tell you to come out. And when he finally comes out, I, I have everybody go inside. I get my mother her donuts and chocolate milk. And uh, I tell the sissy, I'm like, get your ass over here. Turn around. He's like, he didn't know he was going to do a kidnap scene. He thought I was going to take him to the dungeon. We we're going to stage it in there. He's like, uh, what are you doing? I said, put your hands behind your back. I'm putting your fucking ass in the trunk. He's like, no, really? Really? I'm like, get in the trunk. And he's like, yes, mistress. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it was like, this the is trunk, my life. The trunk where the dead dog just was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what I got from that was your dungeon is at your house and your family's all involved. <laughs> Not quite involved. They, you know, they're accepting. Yeah, they're aware. They're aware. They're just accepting. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And so how is that organized? Like, do you have your basement as your dungeon? And I, I, have, I have a big garage and I've converted it from a garage to a dungeon space. And anyone who has been in there they're just like well didn't i see a garage in the front like if this isn't the garage right and i'm like surprise you know <laughs> wow got it okay yeah it, it worked out you know yeah for sure so when you made the choice to set up a dungeon at home mm -hmm. what was your thought process there because i'm sure a lot of people listening have an interest in a home oh, dungeon yeah yeah well I am happy to design a dungeon. <laughs> um, I've helped other people do theirs. And, um, you know, I started doing one, um, you know, 25 years ago at my other house. And um, it was funny because, you know, I had a, a manual garage door that you could do manual or electric. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to do it manual so I don't have to open it all the way. And I think I want to add just a little fear to whoever comes to see me. So I put a black curtain up 
So when they, I'd open it up, you know, I'd swing it open and they'd see a black curtain and they're like, you know, and I'm like, come on in, you know? <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Red lights. And yeah. So, you know, just set it up. And I thought, you know, I'm going to work from home at the time I was running a, um, a homeless shelter and I wasn't doing it for the money. And, um, you know, I had to stay home. I had to take care of my elderly mother. And I thought, what better way to do this than just become a dun, a, you know, have a dungeon there and, and do You're it. Dungeon home. master now. Yeah. Dungeon master, puppet master, <laughs> whatever you want to call me. <laughs> Remember that, that movie nine to five. Yeah. And there's this whole scene with the garage door opener. So I'm curious if you have a home dungeon in your garage, have you ever used the garage door opener to restrain a submissive? <laughs> Daphne Coleman looks so damn cute in that movie. <laughs> and Jane Fonda walked in and she hit that button. It goes, doing, yeah. <laughs> and it retracts up. Yeah. No, we disconnected the garage door opener, but we have, we have a boat winch in there. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. Bitches. Yeah. We've cranked some bitches up on that. John. Yeah. Yes. I've had, some, I've had some people cranked up on that, but where the, where the garage opener was, there's a little electrical outlet in the ceiling there. Very convenient from electrical play to shock people with. It's great. Yeah. So let's talk about electrical play. John, tell us when you say I do electrical play, what do you mean? Okay, so I don't know if everybody knows what a violet wand is, but basically it's a device that you put different attachments on it and it gives you a light shock. It's it's safe. It just hurts. <laughs> and depending on what attachment you put on it, it hurts a lot more. And, you know, I can make it. You can make it as intense as you want. You can brand people with it, actually. But um, basically, what, what, when I'm doing it, it's more a sensual play. So we put the tips on. A lot of times we warm up with a very light tip. feels almost like a massage or you're getting a tattoo. And just run that over your body. Run it over your genitals, your breasts, your nipples. And then depending on how masochistic your partner is, we can really turn that thing up. <laughs> I've turned it up all the way on a couple people. It's great. I get that that's what you're doing. My curiosity is how does that facilitate your experience as a primal, let's call it predator? Okay, so for me, primal play is 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 edge play. So I do a lot of things with sharp knives and ropes around your neck and electrical play and those things that really get your adrenaline going. So, you know, when you're in the dungeon, you got a lot of endorphins going and dopamine and serotonin. I really like, I like the adrenaline. I like breath play. I like to be choked till I pass out because it makes it real. You know, we're playing and we're trying to do it safely, but the closer we can come to reality for a lot of people, me included, it really brings that, that mentality that you're actually giving yourself to someone this could be my last breath and I'm actually giving that last breath to this person. And then when you look up and I explained this to my partner last week, she, she choked me out for the first time and she was a little surprised. She's like, Oh my God, are you okay? And I looked up at her and in your dazed for a minute and I'm looking at her and it looked like she was dressed up in these strappy latex leather. I don't know what it was, but God, it was hot. And I look up and it, and I'm looking at her and I didn't know who she was for a second. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this, gorgeous goddess is sitting on top of me and then when i realized who it was and what was going on i, I tried to explain it to her and the best way i could explain it to her was 
It was like I was in a dream and then it became real. So you became, you became my dream. And, and that, that's what I get from it is push that edge to the very limit until the reality and the fantasy are intermingled. Wow. Now, as an edge player, I'm curious because you said the word yourself. It's on the edge of safety. What safety precautions do you have in the dungeon in case things go downhill? In the dungeon? Yeah. So Mia's partner is a nurse, <laughs> and she has a call button. So if anything happens, we hit that button, and he comes running down. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> But we have safe words. We're, we're tr- we know we don't do things to people that we don't know what we're doing. We're not confident with what we're doing. You know, when I play with electricity, like I said, the device we use is safe. I don't just plug a wire into the wall and zap somebody. They would die. Yeah, but you also said you use a sharp knife. And if a sharp knife slips, for example, now you've got blood. So what are you up to? Well, we... <laughs> a good time. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that makes it even better. But, you know, we have we have cleanup supplies there. When I play with fire, we have fire extinguishers. We have wet towels. We have fire cream. We have first aid kits. When I play with knives, I have, I have bandages ready, and I have alcohol and, you know, sport. I have all the things I need to. And you're not going over a main vein or artery. No. I think that's, that's no. the point there. No. no, I mean, I get it. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just trying to make the point for our listeners. No. Yeah, you're right. You're As an right. player, you also start with precautions. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You're trying to educate. Absolutely. You know, All right. And, and before we, the, the first part of safety, I just, we just started trying to do needle play. And the first thing I did was bought a book to learn how to do needle play and how to do it safely and how to do the aftercare and where to put the needles, where not to put the needles. When you're, when you're learning how to flog, you, you find somebody who knows how to do it. You want, I watch YouTube videos. I buy books to find out how to do it safely. Everything you do, you know, I don't, I don't tell people, hey, go eat fire. Don't go breathe fire. I do it, but I'm not telling anybody else to do it. But to prepare myself for that, not only do I take the safety precautions, but I, I educate myself how to do it before I before I participate and before I try to do those things. Okay, exactly. we, we have a question for you for our fire player audience. You have a beard and a mustache. How do you eat fire without singeing your face? <laughs> <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> so funny story. One day I was spinning fire. I was practicing. I was outside spinning fire, fire boy, and I, I do a lot of fire stuff. So. I hit myself in the head. And it has, it, it's gasoline. So my head lit on fire. Wow. <laughs> and I came in the house rubbing my head and I'm just freaking out. And Mia just looked at me and she's like, John, let me tell you a story. <laughs> You're bald. <laughs> you lit your head on fire. You're still bald. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changed. Oh, I was like, fuck you. But also... <laughs> <laughs> and I looked in the mirror and sure enough, I was still bald. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mistress Mia, tell our audience how to like find your podcast, how to find your dungeon and about anything else you got coming up on the schedule that you'd like them to know about. Ooh, 
<laughs> Exciting. Well, we have a party coming up. Uh, we do themed parties, and it is Barbie and Ken's Playhouse, September 9th. Uh, we're in Cantonment, Florida, kind of in the backwoods outside of Pensacola. But um, but we have MiaRayHot.com. We have MistressMiasDungeon.com. And uh, we're, of course, on FetLife. John is uh, Master John, Lord Valor. I'm Mistress Mia Ray. And, um, you know, we've, we've got TikTok. We've got, yeah. We've Instagram, got Twitter. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. And, you know, with our podcast, Mistress Mia's Dungeon, we're on uh, 12 podcast forums. We're on everything but SoundCloud. Nice. Got it. All right. Nice. Very good. Well, we really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your souls with us. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank, Thank you. you for having it's us. Been great. Thank you very much. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.